everybody, welcome to another episode of the Comic Book Legion podcast. That's right, we recorded in back-to-back weeks because we're cool that way. I am Mark, and with me, Clay, on his ninth show this week. What's going on, buddy? <laughs> yeah, basically, man. I, I have a full schedule this week um, with podcasting, with school and work and everything, and 99% of it is podcasting. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was on uh, DC Alliance for the very uh, as a as a permanent host for the very first time last night. We go live on Monday nights, nine p.m. Eastern Standard Time, on the Geekverse YouTube channel. Um, it was fun. We talked all of the latest DC news. Uh, we are now what we're what we're going to be doing at the end of each episode is we're going to be. Uh, talking or reviewing a comic book. So if you want to vote for which comic we're going to be talking about, it's going to be on the uh, DC Alliance Twitter page. The four books that we have to vote for is uh, 2010 Superboy, uh, Nightwing, The New Order, Batman 66 with Wonder Woman 78, and then uh, Power Girl Harley Quinn. So those are the four. Um, I don't know if the poll is up as we are recording, but by the time the uh, show is up, you should be able to see it um, on their Twitter account. So go vote. Uh, I'm not going to sway any which way, but go vote Nightwing. Uh, but yeah, it's it was fun. So And like I said, I just have a crap ton of other shows. But Mark, <laughs> we had... Uh, not a depressing conversation, but just a real conversation about how yeah. we feel towards comics and everything else. You went out there into the Twitterverse, asked for some suggestions on what you should read. And so now I have to ask, how are you feeling? You, you, you feel I a little mean, better? Yeah, I, I think I think what's happened with me, I don't know if it's from from the process of you know moving and stuff like that, but mainly... In, in the span of, because th- this has been my timeline, and, and Clay kind of knows, we moved into a house. I think everybody knows what it's like moving into a house. It's like, you don't just move in, and everything is good. It takes months for you to finally settle in. By the yeah. time that we finally settled in, the elections happened. I think a lot of people maybe were worried about stock markets and how things were going to happen. All I see in my neighborhood are five houses going on the market. I looked at what these houses were selling for, and they were going for a substantial amount more than what I paid for my house. So I came up with this radical idea to my wife and say, hey, babe, these houses are going for a ton more money than what we paid for ours. What do you think about flipping? She goes, well, where are we going to live? And I said, we'll figure that out when it goes. This is this is this is a good this is a good amount of money. So she's like, well, if it works, let's do it. Awesome. It worked. We had to get out of the house in a month. So everything that we packed, and granted, our house is about forty seven hundred square feet. It was a big house. So we needed a lot of stuff to pack or to sell. And then my sister who is moving from South Florida, I have all her crap. My mother-in-law, Clay knows, was living with me, and she was in the process of moving also. We had her crap. So I had to, in a month, essentially pack and move three houses. Two, storage, another house, and then also try to find a home for us to stay in. So I found a hotel. (laughs) Uh, So I think because of all of that, the only thing I was able to read is DC. And I, and I think what, I think what I realized is how important indie comics is to me because indie comics is, I guess you could say the lifeblood of creativity when it comes to this medium. And although DC comics is my favorite publisher, if things are not going super well there, I always knew that I had a, you know, a shit ton of indie comics that I could read. 
and it, and that was kind of I guess what you would say would fill my love tank if we're talking like five love languages here. That would yeah. fill my that would fill my love tank would be the indie comics at that time. I have not read a single indie comic in maybe five months. I'm Ooh. lying. I read cross crossover from Donny Cates. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I read I read the first issue. Besides that, I have not read a single indie comic. And I think what's happened is because of the recording and Bendis ruining everything, we've kind of, you know, like DC Comics has just kind of been meh to me. Besides like Criminal Sanity. That's yeah. like that's been like the one title or even like Kelly Sue DeConnick's Aquaman I was enjoying. There yeah. hasn't been much that got me like super stoked to reading comics. So I think so what's happened is is yeah, I did I did reach out on Twitter and you know, thanks. I I, I got so many that I have like a like um you know on the iPhone, like a notes. Yeah. I have about like thirty-seven um but there was one book in particular um that I'm I'm actually currently reading right now and it's so far it's it's hopped up oh crappy freaking hotel. See? <laughs> Who uses landlines? Exactly. Hold on. There's one follower on Twitter. Uh, his name is Concierge Dan, uh, uh-huh. or the Comic Connoisseur, or something like that. Yeah. He's mentioned this book a while ago, and I was like, "All right, you know what? This kind of looks trippy. It looks like a nice story. I'm gonna follow." But then your buddy Chris Balga, yeah, he also recommended again, which is a, a comic called Day Tripper. Yes, and, and Day Tripper from uh, Fabio Moon and Gabriel Ba, um, they have they said like this is a comic that you will, it will change your you know like your world like your mindset like this is the game changer, and I will say like about three chapters in, it is beautiful and it's kind of, I don't know. I, I think that's what I needed. I think, I, honestly, I think I needed indie comics back into my my veins. Yeah, and like I didn't know what it was. I know this is um, I'm ra- I'm rambling, but I think you know I, I don't know how to express it. But I, I think the best way for me to say is I didn't realize how important indie comics was to my fandom than than how it was when you're in a total funk and then you're just starting to read something different and it's like whoa. That, yeah, that for sure, for sure. So right, um, right now, right now, I'm feeling pretty good. So if anybody wants to see that recommendation list, go to Mark's Twitter page. Um, he doesn't post that much, so it won't be very hard to find. He did uh, ask what I, I think. Are I some... think I pinned it. Yeah, and see, that's another thing. Like I always used to type about recommendations or like what this person's book did to me, but it's like I've had, I've had nothing. nothing. Like yeah. it's, it's kind of like. I just tweet just to people to know I'm alive. I, I mean, I guess, but it's besides besides that. I mean, my entire Twitter existence has just been fantasy football chats on DM. Yeah, yeah. But let's go ahead and jump into these comics this week. Um, not a whole lot, um, but surprisingly, this is going to be the most books we've talked about in quite a while. Um, we're going to be talking Superman action comics, of course, Detective, and surprisingly, Robin. Um, of course, Superman is our number one guy. So, hi, well, uh, first thoughts of this book. What do you think? Action 1030. I would say, well, actually, bring, before I do that, just because I wanted to ask you this question. What did you think of the Tom Taylor news? Um, for taking over first, Superman. Well, well you know, with first, him being Jonathan, yeah. At first, I was like, "Sweet, he gets to write Superman," and then I'm like, "Oh, it's only a miniseries." And I was like, "Hold the phone, wait, this is taking over the actual title, Superman." Mm-hmm. So that, like, this weird story with Superman and John dealing, like, with the the what were they called the breach or whatever the breach yeah it was just all nonsense to basically for for johnson to be like okay i know taylor's going to be 
you know, jumping on this book. I don't want to hinder him with anything too dramatic. So I'll just write this small little thing and he's going to jump on in two months. I'm totally down. I am 100% down. Uh, he is going to be on two ongoing titles at DC. I think that's very, very awesome. Well, what's awesome is also it's, I mean, I, I know continuity is weird, but this is not a deceased or injustice. This is, you know, these are mainline books. Yeah. Mainline which is, which books, nice. which which is really, really nice. Uh, I know he thrives with his miniseries or maxi series because he kind of gets to do whatever he wants. And I've heard a lot of different things about what people want from this Superman. I know that Superman has been a title that Taylor has been going after for a very long time. And I know that he will do it justice. Um, I will say... Is he my, the one that took over for Lara when she became Wolverine? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I will say this. I know that there is a 99.8% chance this is not going to happen. But if I can get a DH John in that run, that's all I want. Yeah, that's not going to happen. But anything else, I'm good with. Like, to be completely honest. I know Taylor is... You know, and he has Superman. It's in good hands. So I am looking forward to it genuinely. So you have Tom Taylor and uh, John Timms is going to be the artist. Mm-hmm. And now you have which Tom Taylor some, some, some and might Redundo. Ask, yeah. And some might ask, hey, so what, where does that leave Clark Kent? Well, it looks like we're getting another miniseries, which entails grant morrison leaving yeah. uh leaving you know green lantern to now take on superman and the authority in a miniseries with none other than mikel janine as artist which is fantastic because i feel like his art will be a perfect complement to his zaniness that sometimes Morrison really loves an artist to match his wonkiness. Yeah. And that just creates too much of like this psychedelic, I can't get into this. Rather, but now you're going to have more of this grounded that I'm really yeah. curious to see what Grant Morrison is going to, to bring. And I mean, that is kind of like what leads you to Action Comics 1030, which is more of the after effects of what exactly is going on with Clark. What did the breach do to him? Um, and honestly, I think, I know that you said it's really quick. I mean, if I have to go super fast, I will say I am really happy to see uh, Sam Pierre on art duties. Yes. I think it, it brings me to the closest. I mean, say what you want about Bendis' run, but Ivan Reese was amazing. And I yes. mean, it was, and it's one of those things that you have a beautiful book. And now... But now you have, at least with this one, I mean, you have good dialogue to go with the beautiful art. art. Yeah. So it's a, it's, a, it's a perfect combo. This entire scene where he's fighting off Brainiac, gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. That very first panel where you see him flying right above the water, creating the waves, amazing. Right here where he... Uh, Like right before he starts to punch uh, Brainiac, you you see him say, just finishing up. I think for me, when he says up, when it has that close up to his face, the sun right behind his fist, it looks gorgeous. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, we, this is, this is top tier Superman art. Oh, yeah. And it's a beautiful story. I mean, it's, it's still, you're still getting a little bit of, all right, what's, what's going on with him? I think they're doing, a good enough job to tease like all right clearly we are going to be getting captain america director of shield vibes but instead of him kind of aging well no at first he was young but then another time it was kind of they did the whole aging thing i'm curious i'm curious to see what they're going to be doing with him um i i, I do wish that there was a little bit more of a i guess you could say like a conflict in regards to him joining the league but I think just because, you know, you saw in the previous issue, he was so quick to disregard Jonathan's warnings. Yeah. 
to now it's just like you know like you know what i'm 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 going to consider it so yeah. i mean yes we one thing we do know about superman is that you know he is willing to adapt and he is understanding so maybe he really truly understood from the time that he ignored jonathan maybe he's learned from it he's like all right you know what um you know that's just what makes him great he he's willing to he's willing to evolve um but between that i mean i love the conversations um you know it i i see john and, and i see damien talking again i mean i really love i love the super sons dynamic yes he's you know we're we're getting the aged up one but i will say that this dynamic didn't bother me as much because i wasn't getting i wasn't getting corny Tomasi yes. jokes or corny Bendis jokes. This conversation sounded genuine. It, it, yeah. they didn't, they didn't pull them together just to be like, "Hey, we're gonna be have fun," and you know, I'm an older guy trying to talk, you know, like a 16 year old would. Like, no, like he is having a serious conversation. It still means that you know, with this, with this, it's very interesting because we know Robin has no interaction with almost anybody right now, especially yeah. the Bat family. So for him to be able to still sit down with John and have a genuine conversation and be genuine with John, I think that's very, very cool. It shows their true nature when it comes to their friendship. Yeah. So, And it also brings up something that's very important for the very end of this book. John talks about what the archives at the Legion of Superheroes has for... Mm -hmm. Superman's last days and he mentions Kryptonians and Damien's like are you sure you know this are, are you sure you're just not over exaggerating or they're not over exaggerating like maybe it was just like written wrong or whatever and again one thing that we have been missing from Superman in action for two and a half years now is the Superman family is Lois Clark John having those family dynamics. We have a sweet moment with, with Lois and Clark right here. Mm -hmm. You know, she, for when Bendis was here, it was like, oh, I'm the greatest detective other than Batman. And there was no connection with Superman whatsoever. Here, she says, like, hey, you are, you saved the world how many times? Like, like this, this one little speed bump is it, that that's all it is. It's a speed bump. We'll get over it. We'll, we'll figure it out, you know? And I love that about Lois. She, yeah, she, she's, she's the reassuring touch where she's like, listen, you've gone through this. I mean, you've even defeated death itself. Yeah. She's like, you are the, you are what's constant in like in this universe. And I was like, that's, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That's why they're the power couple. Well, and also, if you didn't pick it up when John was talking about the multiple ways, cause he, he said there yeah, are said very like three or four ways. Yeah. There's very convoluted ways of how Superman goes out. One of them being the idea of house of L, which we are still getting that miniseries later on, but the whole thing with Circe throwing him into another dimension, mm -hmm. like, I'm I'm very curious on how those accounts even became something or whether it was just like people I, you know, I, I feel like playing that telephone. Was, I feel like that was Johnson telling you, hey, this isn't this is kind of you've already gotten the breach. You know, you might be getting the you know, the the other one, oh, with with Cersei, or it could be, you know, uh, at a later time. I mean, I do feel like I feel like those were Easter eggs that you need to kind of pay attention to. Oh yeah. Because one of the biggest things that we talked about when we talked about House of L is when did Superman have this time to get busy with all these other people and, you know, create other Kryptonians? Well, now we know it may not have just been Clark. Yeah. Because an invasion comes onto Earth. Superman flies up. He calls out to Connor, to John, and to Kara. And it's like, hey, if anybody can hear me, I need your help. It's world, uh, War World ships. He goes in there, and he he can't see through it because he, he sees that it's like a different type of metal, but he can hear through it. And he's yeah. hearing this chant. 
and the chant is in Kryptonian, he rips open a ship and there's other Kryptonians. And there is this chick with a giant Kryptonian sword and I want to know more about her. Oh yeah, yeah. I th- this was this this issue was a badass man in 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 pretty much all in all ways. Um, and I gotta say kudos to Saint Pierre because I love that image of when he's flying up to the Mongol ships, the the warships, and you kind of just see like that boom from the water. Oh yeah, the yeah, yeah. him breaking the sound barrier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just oh, it's it's gorgeous. Now I I do have a question because it's kind of. With Mongol, I mean, I've read Mongol countless times, but I feel like he's always like a token strong guy for Superman to kind of beat up, or it's just like, you know, something well, dumb. Well, unfortunately, Bendis made him that way even more so, because like, yeah, 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 yeah. Bendis used it as a joke. He's like, oh, whenever Superman needs to go beat up something, he flies over and finds Mongol somewhere and beats him up and then runs away. And it's like, that makes zero sense. Why was Mongol even on Earth? Yeah. Like, or you know you get like uh uh you get um god you get metal and you have like the the when they're doing like powers uh what are what are those things called in uh power rangers when their powers combine oh the megazord uh, megazord and they have like these megazords and they're like fighting um that kind of stuff and they're there again on war worlds like i just feel like he's just token or even like superman like i think it was like the ps2 game where you start like in World World, it's always you know. No, something. it was it it was it was a PS3 and an Xbox 360 game. Okay, PS3. Uh, it okay. was it was for the Superman Returns movie. Okay, uh, yeah, they and did an adaptation, is... and the very beginning was in War World. Yeah, yeah. So I just feel like those are it's all the same, but I love kind of like the Thanos win vibes of you have like just each Mongol just usurping the other, and he's like, oh, thanks for killing my kids. Now I don't have to worry. Um, if you had to compare Mongol, is he like an apocalypse? Because I don't no. want to say I don't want to say Dark Side Thanos, but is he an apocalypse I, I, type? Or um... if I had to compare Mongol to anybody, gosh, I would say Mongol is more of like a. I'm trying to think of somebody that is still. Somewhat of a threat in Marvel, but not as big as Thanos. Because I didn't like, because that's what it is. Like, Kirby did Thanos and freaking Darkseid. Like, mm-hmm. that was the whole point of their creations. It's like, hey, they didn't let me do whatever I really wanted. So I'm going to go ahead and go over here and make this character instead. Yeah. And I think Mongol was. Because the big thing with DC, and everybody knows this, gods among men. That's the biggest thing for DC. Mm-hmm. And when you already create somebody like Darkseid, but you still need a extraterrestrial threat that isn't on the same level as like a Brainiac, you have to create a Mongol, you know? Yeah. And unfortunately... So is Mongol like a Steppenwolf? Yeah. I would call okay. they they would be on the same level. Mongol and Steppenwolf would definitely be on the same level. Okay. So I would genuinely like a decent enough story, and hopefully Johnson has one. But like until he proves otherwise, this is just gonna be like, oh, this is another like they're gonna beat Mongol story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean you know. I, I will say that I, I, I'm enjoying. I think I think this is the most threatening I've ever seen Mongol, or yes. they view him as a kind of like as a higher deity. Where I'm like, okay, I kind of even within the the future state, you know, with the whole the amazing issue, the you know, with Superman all chained up and he had like freeing the chain slave. I kind of like yeah, that connection to the beginning. Yeah. yeah, so I I kind of like that he's becoming a bigger threat because even this invasion feels very Brainiac like it's, it looks like he's, or he's at least trying to do something with Mongol that, I mean, my recollection blows. So maybe I've read something that's along these lines, but I don't feel like I have with Mongol. Yeah. 
or maybe I was really new into my comics where I didn't know any character and I'm just reading stuff to read it and I don't know what I'm, but. Well, to be completely honest, in the last 10 years, Mongo hasn't been a huge player, like genuinely, like from what I can remember. Um, yeah, see, so if, if we're doing 10 years, then we're talking, because I don't even remember him in New 52, but. Exactly. So, I, so what I I'm think saying he is, may have I think he may have had like cuz I mean technically it's been legitimately 10 years since New 52 started. So I think he may have had like maybe one or two stories in New 52 if any. Yeah. See, but I don't fandom, remember them. My fandom is like before New 52 was maybe 5 years. Yeah. And and at that time I was full Marvel, full DC. Like there was cuz I I from what I can remember he may have had a small. I think he had a small part in Infinite Crisis with Jeff Johns. Maybe a very small part. Yeah. See, I read. I read Infinite Crisis. See, because I started on fifty two, reading yeah. one year later. After I read Infinite Crisis to kind of understand, but yeah. at that time I didn't even know. I knew more about Booster Gold than I did about Superman and these other characters because Booster because Gold. Because they took the yeah they yeah, took the Booster the Black Adam. I mean, uh, um, the question. Those were the guys that I was, you know, Judd Winnick on his Green Arrow run. Like that. That those were those were my comics. Yeah. So that's why I'm like, man, Mongo. I just feel like I don't know much about him, um, and I'm just too lazy to Google it. You know, or DC I'm very Wikipedia. Curious. Well, no, because just. Uh, on the DC Universe Infinite app, app. Um, my my playing is coming out here. Jesus. Um, I realized that you can refine your searches whenever you're looking at like storylines or whatnot. So I want to see. I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up. Not if you right if you now. Type, if you type Mongol, what will pop up? Yeah, I'll do M O N G U L. Yeah, I would. Mongol. I would be. Very curious. So, some stuff comes up. Uh, he did play a part in the Trinity in the very beginning of Rebirth. I do remember that. Um, but for the most part, even when I look at comic book series, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. There's only thirteen series that he's been a part of according to the DC Universe app. And most and of those are all very secondary, maybe maybe not even secondary, like third or fourth tier. Yeah. And it may only be like one or two issues of each of those. Yeah. To kind of touch up on like, hey, you know, he was a part of this. I think he was introduced. I actually have this comic. I own it. Um, DC Comics Presents number 27. It was uh, published in 1978. That was his introduction. Um, and since then, he's only had 12 to 14 other Yeah, I, I think that's why, I'm, that's why I think I'm enjoying it, because I feel like this is the most I've seen him. And, I'm, and you're starting to see, you know, an actual character that has history in the DCU. Be, you know, have layers. Yeah. Or some layers, because, I mean, there hasn't been much, but there's there's more than I've, I mean, I've personally have ever seen. So it's it's just become more welcoming instead of just, you know, consistently creating a gazillion new characters and you're messing up timeline or the history of the character because you want it to fit whatever you're doing to this new character. It's just nice to know, like, hey, let's build what let's build the catalog that we have. Fifty-five comics he has been issued. Uh he has been featured in fifty-five comics since nineteen seventy-eight. Yeah, so so that's that's nothing. Okay. So then I I don't I don't feel then okay, I guess we're We may be thinking process. about it a little too much, but honestly, if Johnson can make a staple onto the Mongol character. Maybe it'll be worth it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm enjoying it so far. Yeah. So I think that's, and now I'm curious on who this hooded, uh, who this hooded character is that you know is able to assist 
Mongol in his quest that has to do with, with that has to do with Clark. So let's see here with this mysterious. Um, uh, well, these two mysterious characters, and one of them who does have this pretty awesome epic blade. Now I don't know if it is him, but the person in the background. He, he's in chains. He has a mohawk. I'm pretty sure one of the Kryptonians that was in House of L was a big buff dude, but I can't remember if he had a mohawk or not. I think that's a Zangief, or whatever his name is, from Street Fighter. <laughs> nice. Crossover. Have you seen but, Mortal Kombat? I did. I did watch it. Sorry, this is a tangent. I just said I said Street Fighter, so I had to ask about Mortal Kombat. Is yeah. it is it it so um the brand new original character that they bring on to the movie um is that Cole? It, yeah. Um I said on Twitter he has the same acting coach as Jason David Frank from Power Rangers. The Green Ranger. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is that, they, is, that a they, good, is that a good thing or No. No, that's a oh. that's a horrible '90s show. Like it, it, like I love Power Rangers, but I hate the Green Ranger. And Jason David Frank has like no acting ability whatsoever. And that's what he literally feels like. He came out of a '90s like Saturday morning TV show. Yeah, because I I saw the preview. Because see, that's just a really hard movie to watch in a hotel with a nine year old. Um, yeah. But I did see that seven-minute preview, and I was like, oh, man, that's pretty good. That was the best part of the entire movie. Ah, yeah. okay. And I think they knew that, and so they're like, hey, we'll get you hooked on the seven minutes, so that way, when you start the movie, you have to watch that seven minutes again, and you're like, man, I'm so pumped for this, and they ruin the rest of the two hours of the movie, yeah. Okay, no, man, I was like, I was like, damn, like this movie is like they're legit now, going serious here. I will tell you, it is not a horrible trash dumpster fire. Like the people are going way too hard on this movie just for the fact that they're angry at HBO Max. Like, let's be completely honest. There's a lot of people who were Snyder fans that are just like, we're gonna crap on every single movie until you give us, you know, the rest of the Snyderverse. It's not gonna work. I'm sorry. I love you guys. I love your enthusiasm. That's not how this works. This movie is on par with the 1995 movie with better fighting and better CGI. So it technically makes it the better movie. Okay. All right. That's fair. Sweet. Okay. So let's go. Since we got the confirmation for Grant Morrison's The Authority, I didn't read it, but now I feel like I have to go back and read all of these backstories from action comics with Midnighter. Oh yeah. See, that's, man, I hate, I don't know why I hate reading backups. Um, Some of them are good. Some of them are not so great. Yeah. I think it's just, it's, I think it's my mindset. Like I'm like, you know, you, you know that you get to the, to be continued page and it's kind of like my mind automatically is a book's done. (laughs) <laughs> yeah basically so then i when i'm reading another song I'm like ah nah this is this is this is not what i want um yeah. but look since, since since we were talking about action comics we were talking about the dynamic of john uh, john kent and damien uh let's let's jump here into robin number one so i i for one was a little a little hesitant to want to read it mainly because of Joshua Williamson. And I just feel Joshua Williamson at times is very one note. And no matter which character he's writing, I feel like I'm getting the same kind of thing. Uh, So I didn't know. I mean, I don't know much about uh, Gleb Melkinov uh, or Melnikov. Sorry. You have uh, ALW's Troy Peter. Yeah, on letters. So, but... What drew me to the book is that I wanted to know what's up with Damien. I feel like this was going to be one of those things that answered, you know, would answer some of those questions. And I will say that I immediately got hooked into the book when I saw the first panel. 
because I was mesmerized by how great the art was. Oh yeah. The uh the one where it shows uh Bruce and Damien on the yeah, rooftop. Yeah, yeah, I was just mesmerized. I was like, okay, this is this is awesome. Like I feel like I'm getting you get like hints of like some shading of Capullo, but it looks like if Capullo and Darwin Cook had a baby and like it's 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 amalgam of I like I get partial like Gleason on some of the facial features for yep. some people. So it's it's beautiful art. I absolutely love it. Um, I will say there's one part that I didn't like, and we will get to it. It's closer to the end of the story. Um, but the whole concept, um, because you don't like backups, Robin actually had um, two or three, um, I think it was two backups in, I believe they were Batman and Detective. Oh, damn. So they've kind of explained so some stuff. They The only thing that they have explained is that they are going to have a tournament. Um, this tournament is run by the League of Lazarus. Um, it's a brand new league. Um, okay, I was wondering. I was like, all right, is this like, we should don't, I know what League of Lazarus is? We don't know what their intentions are, but their intentions are to defeat Damien. Because in one of the backups we get, and we do see him here in this issue, but we get the first appearance in one of those backups for the return of Connor Hawk. He did show up. Of course, Connor Hawk is the son you know of Oliver Kevin, Queen. Kevin, Kevin did post. He's like, Mark, you need to read this book. But I was in, you know, I'm in those downtimes where I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I'm not going to read anything else that I don't have to. <laughs> uh, but I was very surprised to see Connor Hawk. And I was like, oh, so then when you hear him briefly mentioned in this, once he does go to like the Lazarus Island, I was, I was thoroughly, I'm like, oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, we get a small mention of him and then uh, the panel actually shows his face near the end. But... Um, one thing is for sure, Josh G. Williamson is taking a uh, a point out of Tynan's writing in the sense of they're being heavily in influenced by manga and anime. Um, this whole idea of a tournament is straight out of an anime. Um, so it's going to be very interesting how he goes about doing it. But Did you one... appreciate the, the, the certain panels, like kind of seeing what Damien was reading? He is reading a manga, so I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that's, "That's interesting." Um, I feel like it's a little on the nose, but if they want to make Damien a weeb, then Damien's a weeb. I'm cool with it, you know. Well, okay, so, all right. What's a weeb? A weeb is just like a uh, a. It's an anime nerd, a, a, a manga nerd. Um, are you, I are know you a weeb? I know it's like short for something. Uh, but let's see here. Weeb, Urban Dictionary, is a non-Japanese male who watches a watches and is a fan of anime, has a waifu and a waifu pillow, and is obsessed with Japan. Okay. Waifu, isn't that that really expensive beef? That's like seven <laughs> that's like seven hundred bucks for like a <laughs> or is that waigu? Oh my gosh. Sorry, but so, so what, what part? What part did you not like, or was it that so that no, it was on the, the nose? The part it, it was a little on the nose, and I was like, eh, whatever, I'll I'll move past it. Um, the idea that he is still having hallucinations or like conversations with a dead Alfred is it? It shows that his motivations for all of this is still true and true. I do appreciate that. Uh, the one thing that I did not like was when they finally got to Lazarus Island, Damien just starts spouting off. And it's just like, I am the son of the bat. I'm the greatest person ever. Mm. We have not had that Damien for years now. Like, yeah. yes, he, he will always, like, whenever it comes to talking to Dick or Tim or Jason... Like he reminds them, like, hey, yeah, I'm he, he Bruce's real son. He very much went back to 
like uh, Grant Morrison, 10-year-old obnoxious Damien. Yeah. And it's very much against what you saw when he was fighting the snake dude in the cage match. Exactly. So I would say, okay, I, 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 can, I can agree with that. Because I did kind of, I was a little thrown off by how vocal he is. Yeah, 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 I'm the son of the bad. Let's just fight. Does, do I have any takers? Should I just fight you all now or one by exactly. one? Exactly. Like he is a yeah. methodical thinker and like he, he plans things out. He is a, he is the son of Talia Agul. Like he says it here, but he's smarter than this. And so to to boast about like this, I didn't like it. And it starts the first fight. And this is kind of the problem that Mortal Kombat has. There's no real tournament. This is just like, oh, yeah, fight, do whatever. Like, you're already breaking the rules of a tournament. Like, make it a legitimate tournament and get my interest peaked. Like, if you're just going to have down. people just randomly fight, they it's just going to be annoying. And watch John Claw Van Damme's The Quest. the quest where he fights that big mongolian dude we are showing our age mark we are (laughs) definitely showing our age well i'm actually surprised you know the reference because i'm showing my age you're just showing that you're older than what you appear so you should just change your 17 versus now 27 and just put like 41 basically that's what i should do or at least me 35 just put 35 because then, you know, Bloodsport and all those kind of, yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, I'm, I'm now, but now I'm, you know, I'm curious this whole, you know, Damien has no heart. I mean, like, what? So, let's see. Who knows what this chick's, um, what her power is? Besides being really good at uh, ripping out hearts and you flatline? So, I mean, I guess we'll, you know, we'll have to see. But I, I will say... Besides the very end, which is those two to three, uh, those two to three, you know, pages that you were kind of talking about, I, I enjoyed the issue. Um, I really much liked the beginning, even with between the conversations of Batman and uh, with Batman and Oracle. Um, I loved seeing how methodical, like you were mentioning, and just how quiet and as ruthless as you've ever seen him when he's fighting the guy in the cage, because it kind of brought me to a point like, all right, man, so Damien really is truly in a dark place. So I, I, I can definitely agree with what you're saying in terms of being totally thrown off with that ending. Yeah. Um, there is a, a reappearance of a character that we saw in Nightwing, Raptor. We only see him. I don't think he has any. Um, I think he has one, like, actual piece of dialogue. I think it's uh, he actually sees him when he starts to talk or whatever. No, no, no he actually doesn't. He doesn't have any dialogue whatsoever. Um, but it's when Mother's Soul is talking, the panel right below her, we see an appearance of Raptor. Um, he is the individual that if you read Nightwing, Ooh, Nightwing. Rebirth at Oof. all, um, we know that he was actually in Haley Circus and he like was secretly in love with uh, Nightwing's mother. And he made the vow to like always protect her and her family. Uh, and in some weird psychotic way, he thinks that like... He it was a very mixed bag of things because he's legitimately has a screw loose in his head. Um, he wants to protect Nightwing, but at the same time, he wants to kill Nightwing. It's very, very odd. Yeah. Um, but that was a great run, and I love that story. So it'll be interesting to see if Raptor and Damien fight in this tournament. Well, let's see. First, he needs a heart. <laughs> yeah, he needs to not die. That's true. Yeah. But this... I think it's very ironic that this book comes out the week after Mortal Kombat does. Because one of the most famous fatalities in Mortal Kombat is taking out the heart. And to see this right after I watched Mortal Kombat, it's it's a little eye-rolling, but I think it's very funny also. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's see. I don't know if this Lazarus has anything to do with the pit. 
considering you see like the green, you know, she has like the green eye paint. Yeah. So you don't really know what in, what this island entails of. So I'll be curious as well, but not not a bad read. Now I, I have I have to say, man, the more that I'm the more that I read detective comics, the more and more I'm falling in love with Dan Mora. <laughs> yeah. And it's like I think he Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, I don't I, again I don't know if it's a color thing because it's Jordy and maybe Every time I've seen him, it's been either oh, is on it a Belair. Yeah, Jordy Belair. Uh, ah. So I don't know if it's that because normally what what I've seen of of him is his stuff on Boom, or you know, like the Future State stuff. But I but even the Future State stuff looked really good in the context of that time. Yeah, but this book was it's just really good, man. Dude, there's some panels here that Dan gives Batman almost like a spawn cape, and it looks gorgeous. It looks amazing. I'm trying to, I'm trying to see where when 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 he is confronting Sam. Oh yeah, okay. And Sam is like saying "F you, don't touch me," and like you just see the way the cape is moving. Yeah, it's huge. It looks yeah, yeah. awesome. Yeah, so I mean, I, I think the the element that I'm loving most about this book is the the fact that we're it finally feels like a detective book. Um, yeah, I like that it is. Um, yeah, you know, you're you're getting a lot of the stuff with like Nakano still and trying to see like his little imprints on there. Uh, but I love the fact that this had to do with just a death of a of a young girl. Oh no, what was her name? Samantha, Sam. No, uh, not I Sam. Th- it's Sarah, I think it is. Sarah? Could be. I, th- I it's on the last page. Hold on. Sarah. Sarah, you're right. Okay, um yeah. yeah, so I mean this is all about trying to figure out where is she? Where, you know, she's gone missing, where where could she be? Um you have clearly you can see some stuff with Nakano and it looks like, you know, even with that little phrase like old money. Like, this is something that needs to be dealt with. It looks like Sarah's daughter is absolutely no joke. Um, and he makes his presence known in that funeral. Uh, it's, I mean, overall, man, I think it's really good. I mean, he I don't. He's a giant of a man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, like, he's just, oof. He looks like what Sean Murphy would do the draw as the penguin in his uh, White Knight universe. <laughs> since everyone looks so like you know the way that you see Azrael, the way that you see bruce they're all like these jacked up characters i feel like yeah. that's what the penguin would look like probably on his world um yeah so i mean i'm really curious to see what's going on with what's happening with these characters i i will say i'm get it's a little tiresome when you're seeing the whole like vertigo max lord like oh people getting kind of zombified yeah or they're getting mind wiped i'm like oh god it's such a it's an annoying trope that just gets used a lot. Yeah. Uh, but I think the fact that I was just so I was in I was just thoroughly enjoying reading a simple detective book with you know obviously background layers being done from the you know the second and third tier characters that it made it made this book very like enjoyable. Now again because you know my history with how I've been with comics. That Huntress is... Which one is that? So, this is a discussion that me and my host, Juice, from Batman News Weekly were having a few months ago. This should be the same Huntress from New 52. But, I think inadvertently, I think that uh, Tamaki and Mora have now erased the fact that she is a person of color. Well, she's no longer black. I think she is still uh, at least Hispanic. Yeah, she has like a Hispanic or kind of like Middle Eastern vibe to it yeah. based on the color. Um, because she does not look like the Huntress that was... She does like not look like from, Gra- from King that was... and Crane and Seely's run. Yeah. 
Yeah. And she had a very small arc in Nightwing as well in Rebirth. Mm-hmm. This does not look like the same. Or, and she was a part of the Birds of Prey. So this yeah. does not look like the same one. This may be a um an effect of the uh of metal and infinite frontier. You know, things change, you know, mm-hmm. it is what it is. But it's a very interesting switch. Um if it is, you know, a Hispanic or, or Spanish or Middle Eastern, then I'm cool with it too. But as it was just very odd to see her drawn the way she was compared to what we had gotten for the past four years. Yeah. That's why I was confused because I, I remember, although I haven't been reading it, um, I know the I'm going to though, I think I think the indie part has helped. Um I remember like the whole clay man thing. Everyone yeah. killing him for Helena Wayne. Um, yeah. I don't know what her suit looked like. That's why I don't like, is this Helena? Is this supposed to be Helena? I, I, I don't, I didn't yeah, know because uh, it, it didn't look like, you know, the Bertinelli or the one, like, I didn't know. Like, is this Spiral Huntress? Like, who, who is this? Yeah. So I, I, I was a little, I was thrown off. Now, again, just because you don't read backups, I went ahead and read this, uh, this backup for Huntress here. Um, it's part one, Mary Knox. Um, it's a little bit of a depressing story. Um, I'm going to go ahead and talk a little bit about it um, because it speaks a little to um, some of my co-hosts for Batman News Weekly. He has been vocal about it, and so I don't think he would mind if I talk about it. Um, recently, he has had uh, some panic attacks. And the reason why it's so big for him is because he's never had panic attacks in his 33 years of life. Um, He had his very first one uh, when we quit our job. We had the same job um, when we were testing engines and oil. He was there for like eight years. He was like, I don't want to do this for 10 years. I need to go find my own, you know, job, my own income, whatever. And like the night he quit or the night of his like last day, he had a panic attack on the way home. Um, This is a story about Huntress, uh, bumping into an individual that um, that is getting mugged. She's getting, uh, you know, the, the robber wants her phone. She refuses to give him the phone because she can't afford an extra one. Um, and then she, Huntress is basically worried for this person because she's kind of stuck in her own ways. It's like, she doesn't care what anybody else says. She's going to do what she wants to do. And, she makes the comment like in her head, Huntress is like, man, this girl will not shut up. And she just keeps talking and keeps talking on these random days that they interact with each other. And eventually uh, Huntress kind of gets in her face. She doesn't see her. She doesn't see her for a little while. And she sees the cat with like blood on her tail. Um, and she had found out like a, the, the few days before that, uh, she suffers from panic attacks because of an abusive relationship that she was in. Mm-hmm. Um, she said, the only real choice that I was able to make was to go for my walks. Even if they were dangerous, I would be able to make my own choices in that walk. So um, it eventually she finds out Huntress finds out um, Mary Knox was murdered uh, in like a random alley. And it says next payback Huntress is going to find out who killed her. Uh, I will say this. Uh, if anybody is in an ab- abusive relationship, um, I am not going to force you to say or do anything, but just know that people are out there that can help. If you are suffering from panic attacks, people can help with that as well. Um, I think it's a very serious thing, um, especially seeing uh like I said, my my co-host for Batman News Weekly was one of these people that was like, oh, it's all mind over matter. You know, you, you just think this way and, you know, you won't get, you know, this or that. Ever since his panic attack, he has become a completely different person. Like it completely changed his life, how he looks at other people, how he sees his life. It can be a really mind altering experience or life altering experience. Have so, you have you still been recording with him or Yeah, yeah, we've been okay. recording. Um but it it has 
changed sometimes in the way that we record. Like if he is feeling something in the middle of our recording, he'll say like, Hey, uh, let's cut it here. We can either go back or we'll just publish the episode like this. Um, and he's, he's brought me some little, a little bit of insights on it. You know, for me personally, I've had panic attacks, but I've been able to be like, okay, that was one instance. Let's move on. Um, some people, and he said this before that like, because of how traumatic the panic attack was, it's kind of always on his mind. And that's okay. what's kind of having like, it's like a brick wall in front of him yeah. for when like, okay, I have to go drive down the street. Can I make it down the street? Or like, hey, I need, I have a doctor's appointment. Can I make it to the doctor's appointment? Or am I going to get another panic attack? It's just, it's always on his mind. So for those people who are out there, they're suffering from panic attacks. Um, I personally cannot say like, hey, go here. But just know there are individuals out there that can help you. Um, therapy. Um, uh, you, I know that, uh, we talked about me and my co-host saying that like neurologists are the ones that can, uh, diagnose, like whether you have migraines or whatever. Uh, and if that is somewhat, uh, coherent to how you get panic attacks and things like that. Um, so there, there are avenues for help. So when I read it, I was just like, man, like the one thing that she thought was, like she could have full control over was ultimately her downfall. And Huntress feels horrible about it. Like, cause she did get in her face, like about all the, you know, the trouble that she was basically getting herself into. And ultimately she wasn't there to save her. So it, it, it's very interesting. Um, I'm really curious on how DC is going to cover these books when it comes to trade. Because if I get detective trades one, two, and three, am I only going to get parts one, two, and three of like this Huntress book? And I can know I, I can't just get a trade of the Huntress book, you know? I mean, would they know? Would they make a trade on a, on a backup? Or, or would it be you're, you're getting. You're getting volume one of Detective, but after that graphic novel, you get that. Now you might get a couple of like previous unused sketches of covers, and then you get the Huntress story as a whole. Yeah, I could, I could, I could see them doing it in like a deluxe, so that way they have enough room to put yeah. all parts in the back. Yeah. Um, because even back in the day, I don't know if they still do it, but like they would have like thinner trades that were yeah yeah like the floppies like the the paperbacks that's what yeah 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 i I mean that i don't i don't know because i i can't stand the paperback ones (laughs) but that's that's more of just a preference that when i look at it it really bothers me if i see a neck yeah or like a a bent spine or something it just bothers the hell out yeah yeah so i I just trying to get hardcovers I I just recently got the uh, the ultimate collections, uh, the first four ultimate collections of Invincible. So, love it. Those yeah, I nice. got a. I've only seen the first episode. I, I want to jump into it. It's just the thing is like, I don't know, man. I think culture has messed me up. Where sometimes I'm enjoying this binging thing. So it's like now I'm gonna jump into Winter Soldier. I haven't even I haven't even started it yet. Oh man, it's so good. Yeah, that's what that's what I've heard. I've heard it's really good. Nice. So, you know, some some things get spoiled. Like, you know, I saw what Sam looks like, um, or oh, yeah, you yeah. Know, Zemo with the dancing, you know, GIF that <laughs> GIF that took over the world for a bit. Um, so, you know, you see small things, but I'm I'm pretty good at never really checking the timeline. Yeah, I just go like if I'm curious, I just go to a, a specific person's page. So I I tend not to get spoiled that bad. Nice. Sweet. So, but yeah, I think that is all of the comics for this week. Um, I am not one hundred percent sure what is coming out next week because, to be completely honest, it looks like we have not received those books yet. Um, so we should be getting them uh, sometime within the next three days. Um, so again, I'm loving being in the dark because I am enjoying these books a little bit more. 
um, each and every oh, week. Oh yeah, I, I've I've always found it to be a lot more enjoyable. Not knowing, I mean, it kind of like I wish I would have known more of like, man, what's going to happen to Superman? But like, I know he's going to the Authority. Yeah. Um, so I mean, there there's certain elements, but I feel like if if you still write it good enough where the story is still interesting, even though you know the ending or the end point, it still, you know, it still makes it worth it. And like yeah, everything, sure. everything that I just read about Jonathan, what he was explaining to Damien, like none of that takes away from the fact that I'm like, oh man, this was a really good conversation. Yeah. Yeah. But with that guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, what is this? Three weeks in a row. We're on a roll, man. We is are it three on weeks? A, oh, I thought I, it was two. Is it only I two? I don't know, man. I've it, been so wonky, I don't know anymore. <laughs> same. Same. Um, but again, we are a part of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network, so go check all of their shows. Uh, you can find me at Fanboy Clay. Um, and I'm not going to say all my shows again. Just go to my link tree. All of my shows are there. Um, go check out the creator spotlight on world's finest true believers. We talked to Matthew groom about his work on his, uh, self-published book on image self-made, uh, a lot of the Ultraman stuff that he has done for Marvel. And then of course his new Kickstarter that is live for about eight more days. It's Inferno girl red. Um, we talked about all of the stuff that is, uh, to look forward to in that book. The tinfoil hats came on about his uh, his possible crossover um, in that book um, with Radiant Black, which has been a huge success. Uh, so go check all of that stuff out. Um, Mark, where can they find you? You can find me at Mark Reads Comics. I am I'm mainly on my DMs, but I think with this uh, rejuvenation that I have been receiving... Um, you know, I might start, you know, just posting a little bit more regularly and talking about the comics that I have been enjoying reading. Um, besides that, I'll, I'll just be on the Twitterverse seeing people, um, attack Brian Hitch because of a hair. Oh my God. Oh my God. (laughs) It's, it's every artist is different people. I'm not going to make a comment on it because I just think that, I mean, he he came off pretty harsh. Like he, I think he told people to like f off like immediately. There was no like, hey, my art style is different from others. It was just like immediate, like f off. But I, again, Hitch has kind of had a lot of sh- stuff thrown at him for his art style. So I think he's just fed up and he's not taking any chances with anybody yeah. anymore. I mean, I, I think it's just with the whole, like, I think the, the criticism with like, you know, like, okay, you know, that hairline is not exactly something I would consider like being a good one. Okay. Yeah. But I think the whole, like, what the heck is up with this hairline? And he's just a, a whole bunch of like emojis. And I, again, I don't know if anyone like responded to it cause he said you lot. So, yeah. I mean, I don't necessarily know what he means by that. I can't talk about how important hairlines are to to African Americans and what that I can't I can't relate I can't relate my hair yeah. my hair sucks uh, but <laughs> but it's also you know it's so it's different you know I understand that's a cultural thing I think that both could have done it like I can see if a guy is consistently getting crap and you know hearing someone just saying like what the heck's up with this and just laughing yeah. emojis I mean that's a pretty smart ass way to do it so I think he just I think that was like a tit for tat kind of, yeah, kind of response. I, I, I just, saw just, I saw somebody say um, he was being a dick, so he got a dick answer or something like that. Yeah, I think that was a response to like Shaq kind of making a big deal about it. Yeah, yeah, but, that's you know, what it was. But Shaq's gonna Shaq, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, thank you guys so much. Hope uh, you guys didn't get you guys didn't log off after my little soapbox. Of oh, Mark doesn't like comics anymore. Uh, just shut up, man. This has been like seventeen years. I've never taken a break. Maybe, maybe I just need it. It was time. But we're good. Comics are good. I still like seeing Clay's mustache. So you know, we're, we won't go anywhere. <laughs> so we're good. All right. But with that being said, uh, were you going to say something? No, I was just going to say. With that being said, oh, we I, will see I, you I literally, guys. That was my homage to you. We will see you guys next week.
No, you, you don't want to say bye anymore? No. So are we just going to keep this going forever? No, we're not. How much memory can we take for Nerdy Legion? Oh, gosh. I'm, I'm well, actually surprised they haven't kicked us off the line because of our... Our, our uh, very large files. Jeez. Yeah. It hey, has this, is a, this is an hour five with some tangents. So yeah. If we've been anything, doing pretty I would, good. Yeah, I would say that we've been, we've been straggling the line pretty good. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next week. See ya.